0: listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit www.jointheventure.com.
1: Hey, we're going to do something this morning that we've never done before, and I'm pretty excited about it. You guys should have glow sticks on, the kids in the house. If you're about fifth grade or younger, uh, I want to invite you to do something if it's okay with your parents. We've got an area up here, and I want to just, I'm going to get down on stage. I'm going to pretend like these grown-ups are not even in here, and I got something I want to say to you. And so it's going to be a fun story time. You're going to be real interactive. So you guys, if you want to come on up, little guys, come on up. Uh, Parents, if you feel like you got one who's just going to kind of end up on the stage or like trying to take my microphone off, you can feel free to accompany them. Uh, and help them stay where they need to be. I got two of my own that will be up here. I may need to reprimand in the middle and don't think that I won't. All right. So come on up. Awesome. And you don't have to sit on the bench. We got the, we got the rug here. I'm going to come down to your level here. All right, grown-ups, hang with us because we're going to need your participation too. But uh, I'm going I'm to kind of do things a little different this morning. I want to start out with a story here, and then I want to give the rest of it to the whole group as, as a whole, okay? How you guys doing this morning? What's up? Can I get some high-fives? High-fives? What's up, Cal? What's up, man? How you doing? I got to come on this side. I got some high-fives over here. Going for Miss Lauren? Yeah. Kaylee? What's up, guys? Can I get a high-five? How's that arm doing? Getting better? Yeah, good. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, my name is Chris, so I don't know if I've met all of you. But I need your help telling a story today, okay? Because can everybody hear me good from where you are? Because my voice is coming out of these big speakers, but really I'm right here, okay? So, there's a story I want to tell you, and it's about a guy from the Bible. It's a real story. And you might have heard it before if you've come to church before, but I bet you have never heard it like this, okay? So, here's the story. Once upon a time, there was this guy. He was a little guy. He was a shepherd, and his name was David. And every time I say the word David, David's the hero for our story. So, every time I say David, I want you to go, da-da-da-da, okay? Can you do that? So, let's try this. Once upon a time, there was a shepherd, and his name was David. "Da, da da You got it. You got it. All right, can y'all keep up? Because they're going to kill this, and I want y'all to do it, too. All right? Don't just watch. This ain't ain't PBS. All right? You're in here. All right? (laughs) Once upon a time, there was a shepherd. His name was David. (laughs) And David lived in a country called Israel. Okay? The Israel people were called Israelites, and they were kind of the good guys in the story. But let me just be honest with you. They were in a war, and they were getting beat pretty bad in this war. Okay, and in the war, they were so scared. So every time I say the Israelites, I want you to say, "I'm shaking in my boots." All right, can you do that? I'm shaking in my boots. Let's try that. The Israelites, I'm shaking in my boots. We're out having a war. Now they were having a war against their enemy, and these enemies they were pretty bad people. They were called the Philistines. Can you say Philistines? All right, good job. The Philistines. Now the Philistines. They were the bad guys in the story, but there were a lot of people cheering for them. And so I want to kind of hear the things the way that they heard it. Every time I say the Philistines, I want you to say, go Phillies. Can you do that? All right, so there were the Philistines. Go Phillies. All right, so our hero, David, was an Israelite. I'm shaking in my boots. And they were at war with the Philistines. Go Phillies. You with me? Thumbs up if you're with me. All right, so this is how this story unfolds. They walk out to the battle lines, and our hero David <laughs> da, 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 goes down to the battle lines, and he sees that the enemy has a big champion. Now, this guy is a warrior, and he's a giant of a man, and his name is Goliath. And Goliath is standing there, and every time I say the word Goliath, because he was a giant of a man, I want you to say fee fi fo fum. Can you do that, all right? So there was this guy named Goliath. And he was standing out in front of the Israelites. I'm shaking in my boots. And he was saying, your God has forgotten you. Your God is weak and powerless. And if anybody is brave enough to come up and face me and they win, well, I'll just leave. I'll leave and I'll take the Philistines, go Phillies, away with me. sounds like a pretty good deal, right? I mean, you beat this one guy, the whole army goes away, and it's over. But nobody, nobody was willing to fight the giant, Goliath. Fee, Fi, Fo, fun. Well, our hero, David, walks down to the battlefield, and he's like, what is going on, people? Nobody's brave enough to face this guy? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll go face him. Here's the deal. He goes over to the king. And he says, king, I, I want to fight this, this giant, this man who's challenging you. I want to fight him. The king's like, have you looked at yourself? You're scrawny. You're weak. There's no way you're going to fight this warrior. Here, let me give you some stuff. So he tries to give him like a sword and a shield and this armor, armor and all this stuff. And David's like, ah, nice. <laughs> yeah, y'all are paying attention. I wasn't. I wasn't paying attention. So our hero, David, da-da-da-da, says, I don't need all this. I don't need the sword. I don't need the shield. I don't need... See, our hero, David, was a shepherd. And many times he'd had to fight big animals, a lion and a bear. And he'd taken them out with his simple tool, a slingshot. Now, this isn't old school. This isn't like slingshot. This is like sling over your head slingshot. So let me see you do this right here. This is a slingshot. You guys got slingshots out there? I don't know if you brought them. All right. So he gets his slingshot, and he says, I'm going to go fight this giant with a slingshot. So he goes down to the... Awesome. You, you have a death thing. That's good. I'm glad you brought that. He goes down to the stream, and he, and he kneels down the stream, and he picks out five smooth stones, because that's what you shoot out of a slingshot is, is stones. So can we count his stones? We've got five stones. Ready? One, two, three, four, five. And he puts them in his pouch, and then he goes out to the battlefield, and he prays. And he, he goes to God, and he says, dear God, please show these people that you are powerful, and that you can stand beside me and that we can win this war. He says this prayer. See, our hero David, da da had trusted God before, and he had no reason to believe that he couldn't trust God now. So he walks out. I'm going to read you what Goliath says. He walks out onto Goliath, <laughs> be fi fofng, right. This is, what, this is what the giant says. He says, "Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks?" He was like, "Come on, I got swords, I got javelins. I got a whole army behind me. This is what David, our hero, says. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will deliver you into my hands. So he reaches in his pocket and he grabs a stone. He puts it in his sling. Let's get that thing spinning right here. And we're going to spin it around our heads five times and let it go. Okay. Count it with me. Ready? One, two, three, four. Five, And it flies through the air, and it actually hits Goliath in the forehead. And our hero, David, wins the war, wins the battle, and they leave. That's our story. Give it up for yourself. Good job. Now, I got a couple more words to say, and then I'm going to let you go sit back with, with your parents or the grownups that you came with, but um, this week, we're talking about being a renegade. Can you say renegade? renegade It's a word that you might not use a whole lot, but what it means is someone who's willing to stand up and do what they believe is best, even when it's not popular, even when it's something that maybe everyone else says it's not best. They're willing to stand up, especially in what we're talking about is when you stand up and willing to do the right thing, even when everyone else is doing the wrong thing. And I'll give you one more chance to do this, and then please don't do it anymore for the rest of the morning. Our hero, David, says, I'm going to be a renegade. I'm going to be a renegade. So he stands up for what's right. And it was scary. Let me tell you a little bit about these, the bad guys, the Philistines. They said, yeah, it's going to keep on trickling on for a little while, but it'll eventually fade out. The Philistines said, we, they, they did bad things. They did bad things to kids, really bad things. They did bad things to their moms. And God's people said, no, we're not going to let you be in our country and do that. We're not going to let you worship the way that you worship what you're, we're actually hurting people. We're not going to let you do that. And that's why they had this war. Now, I want to tell you something really important, especially guys, but but really everybody. Fighting is not the only way to solve your problems. In fact, God gives us lots and lots of really great ways to solve our problems. But in this situation, that's what God needed our hero, David, to do. And so he stood up. Do you think he was scared? Do you think it was, like, terrifying to face an entire army and go stand in front of that warrior? Yeah, but what was it that made it something he could do? Why Why did he do it? Why? Do you know why? Yeah, why do you think he was brave enough to do it? Because he had done it before, and who helped him? Yeah, God helped him. He had faith. He trusted God. So we're going to talk a little bit more, but I want to tell you one more thing. I want to give you this phrase that you guys can memorize, and, and all the grown-ups are going to learn it later, but I want you to learn it first because you're going to have to help them learn it, okay? This is, this is the phrase. you ready for this? The phrase is... Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Can you do that? It's two parts. We'll do the first part. You guys can join us. Expect great things from God. Say that. great things from God. The second part, I'll say it first. Attempt great things for God. You try it. Let's say the whole phrase. It's up here if you can read it. Here we go. Ready? Go. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And that's what, uh, that's what a renegade can do. Last thing. You guys have these glow sticks. Guys, can we pull the lights down just for a second? And I want you to hold your glow sticks in the air. These glow sticks are, are, they're made out of like probably really dangerous chemicals. But (laughs) also what they do is they glow. And when we have a light that glows, there are bad things in the world. Like the things that the Philistines were doing in the world. And they're bad. But do you know if you shine a little bit of light into a dark place, you can be so much more brave And God shines light into dark places, and that's what we're supposed to do. That's what being a renegade is all about, okay? And so I want you, what you got at your seats is a little bag. If you didn't get a bag, um, hopefully some of our volunteers can come around and make sure you got one. There's a little bag with some stuff for you to do. There's a coloring sheet that says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. You can color that while you have it or draw on it or write on it. You got a few things in your bag that you can, like, maybe snack on and hang out. What I want you to do, do you got, can you do me a big favor? Can you help your parents pay attention by being able to sit still for a few minutes while we finish talking about this idea? I want to see your heads do this. Yeah, they're rattling around in there. You forget very easily? Okay, so your dad will remind you, right? Okay. John, you got that? They forget very easy. All right, cool. You guys get back to be with uh, the grown-ups that you came with, and uh, we're going to keep on talking a little bit. Hey, give it up for these guys. They were well behaved. All right, in the time we got left, I just want to kind of go through an idea and a story that I think is really going to impact you today. And and I want to let you know, like, if you're here with a kid this morning and they start to rustle around or they want to ask you questions or think, dude, it's family service. Just talk to them and answer the question for them. Uh, If they do end up shooting basketball or trying to climb up the bleachers, I would recommend that you kind of deter that just a little bit longer. That'd be nice. Um, But it's cool. Like, so try not to be distracted if you don't have kids. People who don't have kids don't understand, do they? They just don't. Um... But it's okay, we're cool with it. When I was growing up, I used to go camping uh, pretty much every summer. And we would go hiking a lot. And there was this one summer we had gone hiking. And we were way up on this mountain. And it was my family and another family. And we had my friend and I had begun to hike down this one trail. And we were going to go look for some more firewood. So we had gone, I don't know how far. But it was far enough that we couldn't hear the voices from the campsite any longer. And we were down there. And then the unthinkable happened. Oh, it was nighttime, by the way. Pitch dark. Our flashlight broke. Our flashlight quit working, and we're rattling it, we're shaking it, we're trying to make it work, you know, like you do when your flashlight quits working. And it just stopped working. And so there's a part of the story that's really important here. I was 10 years old, and we were down this mountain trail, and no one could hear us, and our flashlight was broken. And we found ourselves in like the kid's worst nightmare, which is lost, in the woods, in the dark, with no flashlight. And we're sitting there, so it's me and my friend, and we're just like, what do we do? Now what are you supposed to do when you get lost? Stay put. Well, I'm stupid. I'm sorry. So I didn't. And so I began walking around. I'm like, what am I, I going to do? I'm trying to figure out where to go. And so we stop and we think and we just, what are we going to do? Do we sit here and wait? As we were figuring out what to do, we looked up and I saw the most beautiful sight. Way up through the woods, there was this little prick of light. It was a little prick of light and we instantly knew it was the campfire from our, from our campsite. We're like,
0: oh,
1: home. The problem was we couldn't find the trail because it's night, and these trails do this in the mountains. They never do this. They do this, so we just started walking through the woods, running in the trees, tripping over bushes, and we just started walking. And we we're going, "Hey, we're out here. Flashlight broke. Hey, no one hears us. Either they couldn't hear us, or they thought we were playing around. I don't know." We walked and we walked and we walked, and I mean, we, as we got closer, the, the, the coldness of being lost was replaced by the warmth. Of hearing like our dad's voices laughing and, and talking around the campfire. And we made our way back. And here's the point. Light is important, isn't it? I mean you've all experienced this before. I mean you you, you walk through the house and stub your toe in the coffee table, right, or you're going to the bathroom in the middle of the light and you run into the door frame. You're like, who put that wall here, right? And we do that because, because in the dark it's hard to see. We've all been in a dark closet or under the bed or in a, in a drawer or something, and we're like, I just need a flashlight. Where's a flashlight when you need one? I love that I've got a flashlight built in on my phone now. All the time I'm like, I don't even need a flashlight. It's daytime. I'm going to look around. You know, because it's light is important because light exposes things. Light shows you where the danger is. It shows you where the safety is. It shows you where the answers are. That's what light does. We're in this teaching series called Renegade, and each week we're taking a look at different people who lived throughout history who were renegades for God. They're renegades for God, and they were people who were saying, you know what, I want to shine light in the world, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to shine light in the world. You might remember last week, if you were here, uh, a lady named Esther Ann Kim. Uh, she was a Korean who stood up for Korean rights and, and, and especially the rights for Christians in in a system where Japan was trying to take over Korea a long time ago. It was an incredible and inspiring story. I encourage you to go back to our website and listen to it again if you haven't already. Her story is incredible. Tonight, today we're going to be talking about another guy. His name is William Carey. Uh, we got a picture of him here. Maybe you've heard of William Carey before. He's known as, that's not a picture of William Carey. That's just some tape on the road, but um, some paint. But William Carey was a missionary, and he's known as the father of modern missions. That's kind of the moniker that he wears today. But it didn't always it didn't start that way. Like, William Carey was born in 1761 in England. And he grew up a really ordinary life. I mean, he had family, and his dad had a job, and his mom did what moms did in 1761. And he grew up, he got married young, he had a few kids. Ordinary. Ordinary. And, and I love that his story starts there. In fact, many renegade stories do. Because I think it's something we can all relate with. Have you ever felt really ordinary? Just like, I'm plain. like I really don't know what I could do to help the world I'm just just ordinary what could I possibly do to make the world a better place and it might be that you're just here today and you're just checking out church for the first time and you're like okay we're doing all this God talk shining light talk and there's weird dancing I don't even know what kind of craziness I just walked into today maybe you feel like though that life is a little bit ordinary and how can I make a difference I love that most renegades lives begin this way Uh, he grew up and, and got a career as a cobbler. Not the people who make really good peach pies, uh, but someone who made shoes, a cobbler, a shoe cobbler. And that was his profession, and that's what he did. But his quest for uh, seeking God and, and achieving greatness in this world really began when he started meeting with a few guys to pray. That's all he did. A couple of guys, he's like, you know what? I'm kind of into this Jesus thing. We should pray. So a few of them would get together and they would just pray. And they were like, well, what should we pray about? And they decided. Let's pray for the world. Let's just pray pray that the world could be a better place and that people could hear about God's love, and let's just pray for the nations. So they began to do that. They began to pray for the nations. But as William Carey began to pray for the nations, he had this burden being laid on his heart. He said, you know what? I pray and I pray and I pray, but I just feel like I should do something. Like, I should get out and do something. I don't just need to sit in here and do nothing. I need to get out there and do something. So he said, what if we could equip people to go around the world and, and become missionaries? cool idea. So he formed the Baptist Missionary Society. He started that, and those guys got together, and they began become, they were the prayer group. Now they're like, hey, now we're the Baptist Missionary Society. So they started uh, talking about what it would look like. William Carey started to get real hyped about this thing. So he made this ledger, this this big spreadsheet of all the nations in the world, of their population, their religion, and specifically some of the social unrest that was going on in these countries. He said, man, if if Jesus is about anything, he's about us going over there and trying to make their culture better, like get rid of some of the evil practices and the bad things and the corruption and stuff like that. So they started looking at this list, and as he's looking at these nations, it hits him. He goes, I got to go to India. He just has this moment of clarity where he says, I got to go. Now, it's one thing to say you want to go on a big trip. But in 1761, there's no commercial airlines where you're just going to book a flight to India, and there's like a suburb in the Indian community that they're just waiting for you to come and be their missionary. Like, no, that's not what's happening at all. There were all kinds of trials that led up to William Carey's travel to get to India. Now, I don't want to go through all of them because it could take literally all day. His story is dynamic and amazing. But he hit trial after trial after trial. The first one I can totally relate with, uh, and maybe you can too as a spouse. He goes to his wife. He goes... Hey, babe, God's calling me to India. And she goes, he might be calling you to India, but he ain't calling me to India. (laughs) They lived in a nice community in England, and they weren't about to go. She was pregnant with their fourth child, and she just, she did not want to bear the thought of having their child in India. Well, eventually, he convinces her sister to go along, and she's like, okay, if my sister goes, I'll go. Another problem. Uh, The shipping industry was the only way to get to India at the time So you had to get on a cargo ship you had to convince some ship captain to give up his valuable cargo space To put your lazy tail on there and your whole family and you're not making him any money except for whatever little fare that you pay to get on Not only that but the ships that were traveling to India wouldn't take you if you wanted to be a missionary Because they were like man, we're making good money over there And we're not trying to mess that up. Don't you go over there and mess with their religion So this one ship captain said okay, I'll take you a little way He took him a little way, but then he just drops him off at this little island right on the edge of the English Channel. Like he kind of goes over this little canal, and then he gets on the island, and the guy's like, you know, I changed my mind. Get out. (laughs) What? So his family gets out. They spend two months on this island. They finally find a Danish ship that's willing to take them the rest of the way. That's just them getting there. When they get there, there's no place for them to stay. They don't know the language. They don't even have a plan. They're just like, I just feel like God wants us to do something different here. Within the first year, one of their sons catches a disease, and he dies. One of the things that was happening in India at the time was a a very big uh, thing with their caste system. And and if you don't know much about the caste system, it's basically that there's kind of a hierarchy of society, and some people are considered uh, more elite than others, and others are considered, like, untouchable. and, And throughout these rankings of society, if a foreigner was to have someone die, you were not supposed to help them for whatever reason. And so he stood there, an outcast, he didn't know the language, he didn't know the people, and he had to bury his own son, build a casket, the whole nine yards. It's it's a sad story. Well, that happens, and his wife has a nervous breakdown. She begins to lose her mind, and it causes all kinds of complications. This is just the beginning. People come over to help them. They get sick, and they leave. They get sick, and they pass away. It's, It's like, and he's sitting there, and you know, maybe you've been here, maybe you haven't, but you're like, I thought this is what I was supposed to do. Why is this so hard? Wall after wall after barrier after barrier. Yet he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick it out. One day he was preaching a sermon, and he was trying to talk about why he was there. And he had this phrase that became one of his biggest phrases, uh, the biggest quotes that William Carey is known for, Is it's this, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. As Kerry worked through his ministry, he found that he was being extremely ineffective. He, like, preached all the time, and nobody would listen. In fact, he was there for six years before anyone ever became a Christian. Now, I want to take a step away from Carry's story and just, just look at what this is all about. As, as you look at life, sometimes we want to follow God. But as we go along this route, we realize that it's hard. How come come I can't understand what God wants me to do? Carrie's words are pretty inspiring. Expect great things from God. My question is, especially if you you know God and he's in your life, like, what do you expect from him? Sometimes what we expect from God is like a a fancy, lush living, big old fat bank account, you know, plenty of comforts of life. Maybe if you're in the room today and you're like, I really am not into God. I kind of am mad at God. Somebody drug me here. (laughs) You know, and that happens at our church every single week, and I'm so glad you joined us. But maybe you're sitting there going, look, I don't expect anything for God because if there is a God, He's really never done anything for me. What I want you to know is this. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who loves you. I've seen it in my own life. I've struggled, and I've cried, and I've been on the ground, like, beat down, like, what do you want from me? But in trusting Him, I've been able to see that God does amazing things. You can expect big things from God. But if you expect big things from God, maybe you could start attempting some things for God. So Kerry is over there, and and he's not getting any traction. He's only had one convert in six years, and he realizes, you know what, maybe I'm beating up the wrong tree. Like, what's going on? He realizes that while he was there, he was able to learn the language of the local people very easily. And when he did that, he said, you know, I'm going to start translating the Bible into that language. It's a good idea. So he does that. While he's doing, he realizes he's able to learn other languages really easily. He finds quickly that his gift is not preaching. In fact, he's like, I'm actually not as good of a preacher as I hoped I was. I'm actually pretty good at languages. What if instead of trying to preach people, what if I just wrote the Bible and I let them read it for themselves? He begins this quest of writing the Bible. More and more trials come. At one point, he gets way down the line translating one version of the Bible, and his printing press burns down. What does he do? He starts over, man, perseverance of this guy. He goes and he goes and he goes. And and so as you look at the story of William Carey, I just got a couple of questions, one question, one question that comes to my mind. Why? Why do you keep doing that? Like, why did he keep banging his head up against the wall? I found three things that I, that I noted through his story, and maybe you can find more. I totally recommend you read a biography about him, or there's a couple of good YouTube videos just to tell his story. Three things, though, that, that Carrie did that I think we can learn from today about being a renegade from God, for God, about getting through these trials and being willing to say, I am going to do great things because I believe God is capable of great things. The first thing I learned is this. First and foremost, Carrie really loved God and he loved people. It started with loving God and loving people. It didn't start with a love for academia, a love for being famous, a love for having credit behind his name. He just said, I just love people, and I love God, and I want to do what it takes to make life better for them. That's the first thing you notice. That's why when he was praying for those people around the world, he thought, I got to do something. And that's why when he hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, he thought, I got to get over this, because I got to love people, because I love God. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. it's, It's pretty powerful, that he was willing to obey God no matter what. It is Family Sunday. I want to give your kids a little something to hear if it helps I have any leverage on a stage right now and you're like, the guy at church said you should do this. We got this rule at our house with my kids and uh, we've had it for a long time. The rule is this, obey right away. Obey right away. It helps that it rhymes so it's easy to remember. Obey right away. And so when I tell my son to clean up his room, I want him to clean up his room right now. No conversation, no options, I'm telling you to clean up your room. Why? Because I say clean up your room, and, and you're the kid, and I'm the dad, and that's how this relationship works, right? Or when, when my daughter is just bugging and nagging her brother to no end, and I go, stop bugging your brother. I want her to stop. When? Right away. Right now. And they know, they know very well, you can ask them, that if they don't obey right away, there are immediate consequences. You might have been with me in public when one of my kids didn't obey right away, and you were like, ooh, shouldn't have done that. Or you might have just seen me say something softly in one of my kids' ear, because I'm not about embarrassing my kids. I want them to grow from it, so I'll often say... We're going to deal with this later when we get home. Did your dad ever tell you that? Oh, I hate it when he said that. Wait till we get home. But why do I want them to obey right away? Not because I'm a tyrant, but because, you know, one day when one of my kids is running through a parking lot and a car is heading to almost hit them, I want to be able to go, stop! And they obey right away. Because they've learned that they can trust me when I tell them to do something. And it will save their life. And when one of my kids is a teenager and comes to me and say, Dad man, I'm screwing around in all this mess and I'm getting in trouble, and I can go, you gotta listen to me. You gotta get away from those people. They are gonna ruin you. And they can go, trust my dad. I think that he's crazy right now, but I'm gonna trust him. I want them to obey right away because it could save their life. That's one reason. The other reason is this, I believe we learn a lot about God from how we relate to our parents. We really do. And I know that we can't all go back and fix our, our mommy and daddy issues. I mean, we've all got them to some degree, and and I hope that this is a place where you can come and share those and grow in and, and out of that and, and be healed from some of that but maybe if you're a parent you can begin to say you know what the way that I relate with my child is teaching them how they can relate with God it's about trust it's about obedience it's about boundaries it's about having someone they can look up to and rely on right maybe you didn't have that growing up but you could be that for somebody maybe you don't have kids you could be a mentor to somebody and change their life and I believe that obey right away is a principle that God wants us to learn from because he says I got rules why because it may save your life and so Carrie feels William Carrie says I think God's telling me that I need to do this my wife doesn't want to go but I gotta obey right away William was willing to obey and so he loved God he loved people he was willing to obey God no matter what and the third thing is this the third thing was that he was willing to shine God's light and do whatever it took to shine God's light. And so he hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And he said, but you know what? I'm going to shine God's light. No matter what, I'm going to shine God's light. Even to the point where he could have had an ego trip hit, and go, but you know what? I must not be a very good preacher. <laughs> I quit. I'm going home. No, I need to focus on something I am good at. I'm going to shine God's light through translating the Bible. And he goes on and on and on, shining God's light. Expect great things from God. Attempt. Great things from God. And it was clear that William Carey believed that. I want to read you what Jesus said about shining your light. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, Jesus says, that You, like if you know Jesus and you know about God's love, maybe you don't understand it perfectly, but you know this much. He says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to the whole room, and everyone in the house can benefit from it. So in the same way, let your light shine, no matter how big it is. That little prick of light when I was in the woods, man, it gave me so much comfort and warmth, and I had something to walk towards. That little flashlight on your phone helps you find your way through your living room so you don't break another toe. You might feel like you got a small light right now. But shine that sucker. People will flock to it, and it could change the world. Do whatever it takes to shine light. Here's my question for us today, kind of as a church family. And if you're new today, like, I want to let you know you're in. Like, you're in the family. We don't, like, do membership here. You don't have to, like, um, I don't know, drink some magic Kool-Aid or something. Like, just come and, join our, come and join our family. Join our party. Be a part of what we're doing. We want the city to be a brighter place because people love God and serving Jesus. And so my question for us today is, what might you attempt for God? What might you attempt for God. At Venture Church, we talk a lot about being a God-chasing, grace-shaped love agent. That's the goal of every person here. I want to chase God, and I want to be grace-shaped, and I want to be a love agent. And we talk about each of those all the time. Uh, What's really cool is that the thing that William did first, love God and love people, that is the foundational principle of what that means. Love God is be a God-chaser. Love people is be a love agent. That's what that's about. And so, as a church, what we're doing this week, you saw the video about it earlier, is we are initiating Love Agent Week. So, kids in the room, I want you to pay close attention because I want you to ask your parents, what are we going to do every day? Okay? We can make this city a brighter place by doing seven simple things this week, a different challenge every day. And I want to go through them with you to see if you can be a renegade. The first one is this On Monday, we're just calling that Love Your Neighbor Day. Love Your Neighbor. If you're on a social network and you want to take a picture of what you're doing, you can hashtag neighbor on that thing. All these things are on uh, the website. Join the venture.com slash love agent week. There's also a big old image on the front page. Click on it. There's a lot of specific ideas. But how could you maybe love your neighbor? Maybe you've got somebody in your neighborhood who's just an elderly person who needs help mowing their grass. You don't have to go over and be like, you know what? I'm going to have a Bible study with you, then I'm going to mow your grass. No. Get a half a gallon of gasoline, fill up their lawnmower, and mow their grass. And when they say, what are you doing? You just go, I love you. I'm your neighbor. (laughs) See you next time. Right? Invite somebody over. Do something nice. There's some creative ideas on our website. I won't go through them right now, but that's Monday. Love your neighbor day. Right now, can you think of a way you could love a neighbor? Maybe someone that you already know or maybe someone that you haven't met yet. A lot of you guys are college students that just came in for the first time. You got a dorm full of people or an apartment full of people around you who might really spit in your face if you try to talk to them about God or Jesus, but they might really love you if you bake them a batch of your cookies. You know what I'm saying? love your neighbor Uh, the second one is this Uh, Tuesday is love a hero day Uh, there's a lot of people in our city that make this city awesome Uh, social servants I'm talking about first responders like firemen and policemen you got our teachers Uh, you got the guy that picks up your trash every single Friday like those people make this city those people are heroes love a hero what can you do to make a hero? maybe you want to love your mailman or your trash guy and like Tuesday's a bad day for you you don't have to do this on Tuesday Could you ride by your local fire department with a thing of Krispy Kreme donuts and uh, just be like, hey, just thanks for keeping our community safe, right? If they ask you why you're doing it, tell them what you want to tell them, but they will see the love and you will make it a brighter place because of Jesus. That's Tuesday, love a hero. Wednesday, love with a meal, love with a meal. When you share a meal with somebody, it says something about you and it really pulls in community. There was a guy when I lived in Charlotte. That would come to my house all the time, and he would, he would ask for work. He would try to mow my grass and rake my leaves and try to raise a little money. Found out later he was homeless, and uh, I was like, you know what, man? I don't have a ton of extra money, but my wife's a really good cook, and she's really good with our food budget. Anytime you're hungry, just come to our house. He did, didn't he? Dude came over all the time, all the time. Just started eating with us, eating with us, eating with us. One night we had some friends over, and I was back in the bathroom in the back of the house or something, and he said to my friend, man, this dude, Chris, he's all right. <laughs> I didn't give him a lot of money, I didn't help support, he had some bad habits, I I wasn't capable of helping him through the other things that he did, but I was able to shine some light into his life, and through that, we were able to talk about God some, and now he's in jail for a long time, so I won't see him for a while, but the light that I shined could have made a difference to save his life, and I believe that it did um, through the course of time, and so who can you share a meal with? A friend, a neighbor, maybe just uh, a, someone. There's all this person in town that you're always like, we got to cook out sometime. You do that? You lie to people like that too? I do. I'm like, yeah, we should get together, right? And you don't mean to. You really want to do something with it. But who can you invite over to your house and just be like, let's just share a meal? Maybe you don't have lots of means. Like you're like, I really can't afford to feed a lot of people. Just take your lunch break and go sit with someone else and eat your lunch with them. Share a meal. Hey, like, can I sit here? I'm going to talk, get to know you a little bit. Share a meal. And you might offer them half of your Twinkie because they're good. That's Wednesday Thursday, unexpected love. Um, you know, don't wait for an invitation to do something special. Maybe you're checking out of the line at the grocery store or in Starbucks or wherever, and you're like, you know what, I just want to pay for the person behind me or two people back. Or you're inside a store and somebody's coming through a drive through I see that mom, she's got like five kids in the car. Can I just pay for their food? But it doesn't have to be money. I mean, random acts of kindness are simply like, I just need to write a note to somebody to encourage them. I just need to go over to my neighbor's house and say, hey, I noticed that um, this thing was broken and I happened to be able to fix it. Can I fix that for you? Random act of kindness. Just show love. That's Friday. Thir- uh, did I do Friday? That's Thursday. Friday. Love through thanks. I love this day. Who's somebody that you need to say thank you to? It might be your third grade English teacher. Really. Like find them on Facebook or whitepages.com and creep them out by calling them, but then tell them, thank you. Thank you for helping me or write them a letter or write it. Maybe you have a... Not so good relationship with your parents. This would be a great day just to write them a note, shoot them an email, send them a text message. I just want to thank you for what you did do for me. Maybe you didn't do some things, but you you did do some things. Say thank you. Uh, Again, more specific ideas on the website. And then the last two, Saturday is Love Your Family Day. I think we have a plague in our society of people who don't spend enough time with their family. Um, We we want to call family time watching a movie together at the movie theater. So we spend like 50 bucks to just go sit and not talk to each other. Um, Get a board game. Hang out with your family. Maybe you don't have family in town, but you've got a roommate. I mean, they're your family right now. Maybe you don't have family at all. Like, you're literally an orphan in the world. And it's like, I'm kind of alone. I'm really sorry. I, from the bottom of my heart, I hope that you can find some family here. Um, reach out to somebody here. Like, you've got to tell somebody because we don't know. But, you know, just grab me or grab some one of our volunteers. I just wanted to meet somebody. That might be awkward. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to offer that. Um, and maybe build some community with someone here today. Maybe you have a family and you've got another Family that you hang out with a lot. Get your families together. Spend time together. Family day. It's Saturday. Most of us are off work. Let's go do something fun. Uh, and then Sunday, we've talked about already through the video, but Sunday is uh, serve together day. And the idea is love someone through serving. Listen, you might not be able to do one of our three service projects. Uh, those are there because we don't want to p- p- leave people hanging with no ideas. But maybe you've got a great idea and you're like, no, nah, those three things are great, but I'm going to go do this thing. But don't do it alone. Serve together. Like grab somebody else and go serve with them if you can. It's love agent week. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And sometimes we want to think, well, I can't move to India. But you can share a meal with somebody. You can mow somebody's grass. You can pick up the phone and say thank you. Start with the small things. I'm going to tell you what, that light, it might be a pinprick, but it will begin to glow and glow and grow and grow. And I believe with all of my heart if we can do this, we can be renegades in this city. We can be renegades in this world. And it would be a better place because of God's love. Can I pray for you today? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you give us and just uh, giving us kind of the grace to to do something a little different today. Have the kids in the room, a couple of different elements. Uh, Even in the midst of the YMCA kind of being shut down in various areas, uh, I just thank you for providing this space. God, I stood up here. I said some bold things today. Help me not to be a lying hypocrite. I want to do the things too every day. I want to take the challenge. I want to Hold my family accountable to it. I want to I shine light, but not because I'm checking off a list of things on my to-do list, but because I really believe that shining light makes the world a better place. Thank you so much for these children in the room today. Lord, they are seriously the church of today, the city of today, and the things and the decisions uh, that we make about them. Um, they're going to impact us for a long time. May we, may we steward them well, love them, hug them, give them boundaries and discipline when they need it. Thank you so much for this
0: church family, and pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For a couple of extra details about William Carey, William Carey died after spending 41 years in India without a trip back home. By the time he died, his mission could only count about 700 converts and a nation of millions. But his work was not a loss. He had laid an impressive foundation of Bible translation, and he worked tirelessly until the entire Bible was translated into six different Indian languages, and portions of the Bible were translated into 29 others. His work impacted education. Carey established a college that educated people not only in academics, but in principles like equality, justice, and love. Students learned that they could make a difference and didn't have to simply bow down to the evil practices of their forefathers. This led to social reform. William Carey fought hard for the abolition of infanticide, a terrible practice called sati, widow burning, and assisted suicide. Much of Carey's work has led to legislation in India banning such practices. His work laid the foundation that have become the modern Christian movements in India. Though in Carey's lifetime only 700 people became Christians, there are over 24 million Christians in India and counting, and virtually all of them trace back to their faith journey back to work begun by Carey. It began because William Carey was a renegade. He expected great things from God and attempted great things for God. How did he do it? He just decided to love God, love people, and shine light. You can be a renegade to expect great things from God, attempt great things for God.